for me, what I've really learned through podcasting is that there's so much value in sharing your opinion and critiquing. And if someone's unhappy about the way you spoke about them, come on the podcast, prove me wrong, engage in the conversation, mm. face the deep, dark and twisted and don't only just like be driven by everything that's shiny and everything that's bright. Whenever I go into a podcast episode, I'm like, what is the one thing that every bitch on the red carpet is not going to ask this person? And then that is what I ask them. Welcome, my love, to the Strong Babe Collective podcast. If you are ready to step into your power, call in your biggest desires and manifest the life that you are so worthy of, then babe, you are in the right place. I know you're listening to this podcast in divine timing, and I am so excited to give you the mindset shifts, the inspired action steps, and the support into total alignment that you need to step into your highest self and manifest your biggest desires. It's time, my love, to call in the freedom, the impact, and the abundance that you know you're here for, and I am so excited to be your high vibe bestie every step of the way as you call it all in. Welcome back to the podcast, my gorgeous strong babe. I am so excited that you are here and I'm so looking forward to diving into today's episode with you. In case we haven't met, my name is Taylor Ray. I am the founder of Strong Babe Collective, the host of the Strong Babe Collective podcast, and I'm your high vibe bestie helping you to manifest the abundant life that you are so worthy of. On today's episode, we are sitting down with the gorgeous Deanna Espia, a red carpet reporter turned cut through the crap podcaster, content creator, and all round refreshing voice in the world of celebrities. Deanna's desire to create atypical interview segments inspired her to create her podcast, You Can't Sit With Me, the unfiltered and non-regimented evolution from her days as a controversial host of The Red Carpet. Deanna's unique interview style, British wit, and relationships with recognized talent brings a fresh perspective to the world of entertainment news, described as quote-unquote unconventional Hollywood wisdom. She has been featured by Forbes as a top 18 female-led podcaster, as well as KTLA and LA Weekly, and in today's episode, we take a whole different vibe on the Strong Babe Collective podcast as we uncover with Deanna a different way to view mindfulness, how to look at your life journey, and what it means to follow your own unconventional path. I'm honestly so excited to share this interview with you and I'm pretty sure that as soon as you get into it you are going to notice that it is a very different interview style for us here on the podcast and to me that is absolutely amazing because I'm all about bringing so much value to you babes here on the podcast through the gorgeous guests that we are so blessed to have and Deanna is no exception to this. I love that in this interview Deanna and I go down so many different paths and what you'll notice throughout is that we have some differing opinions but at the root of everything we still have the same values and I love as we uncover that and we explore it together how we can show the different sides of spirituality and how that actually looks different for everyone. We also dive deep on what it actually means to show up as your authentic self and why above all that is so, so important. We talk about the importance of going through the struggle and why the hard times are what actually helps you to get clearer on who it is that you really are. We even go into why mindfulness actually looks different for everyone and the importance of realizing that spirituality can be whatever you want it to be. Deanna and I go deep on why cutting through what everyone expects of you is often what calls in your tribe, as well as the importance of saying what you truly think and why it's important not to apologize for your opinions. Like I said, my love, there is so much incredible value for you inside of this episode, and I am so, so grateful to be able to share it with you. Something I am massive on is allowing all of our guests to speak authentically in their voice and to never feel like they have to filter anything. And as such, I will just let you know before we do get into this episode that there is some more colorful language than you might normally hear on the podcast. And if you have any little ones present that you don't want to hear that, or it's not so much your style, I just wanted to let you know before we get into it that that is what you can expect. It's not everywhere, but it is in there. So I just wanted to let you know so that you have the option. Also, my love, don't forget that applications are still open for my soul alignment sessions. These sessions are my one-off one-on-one sessions where you get to sit down with me and ask any and all questions that you have around whatever it is that you are manifesting. Whether you are calling in five-figure months, wanting to step into your purpose and figure out clarity around what it is that you are here to do, whether you want to take your business to the next level or learn how to call in aligned soulmate clients, these sessions are absolutely 
absolutely perfect for you where you can pick my brain and ask all the questions that you have both on an energetic level on how to take inspired action and on how to put together an aligned plan that truly supports you stepping into that next level version of you. I absolutely adore doing these sessions and the results that my girls get on the other side of it when they come out and they have the exact plan that they need to take in order to start implementing it in alignment with who they are and where it is that they are going. Absolutely everything shifts. And honestly, it can be something as small as this, this 45 minute session that can give you the nudge that you need to step into the freedom, the impact and the abundance that you are here for and that you are so worthy of. So if this is calling to you, if this sounds amazing and you would love to know more, then I'll make sure that I pop the link to that one in the show notes for you below, or you can head to www.strongbabe.co forward slash soul dash session now to find out more. All right, my gorgeous babe, let's get into this interview with the beautiful Dana Espia. I am honestly so excited to share it with you and to hear what you think of it. Don't forget, you can screenshot the episode at any time, share it in your IG stories and tag me at Strong Babe Collective to let me know your favorite part and the shifts that you are taking out of it. I love connecting with you babes over there, taking the conversation a little bit further and being able to share in the high vibes with you over on Instagram. excited to have you here. Welcome to the Strong Babe Collective podcast. I'm so excited. I love the name of this podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, we love having you and we're all about just bringing on gorgeous strong babes who honestly just embody everything that it means to be a strong babe and that have honestly just called in their dream lives and have been totally unapologetic about it, which is a hundred percent you. Thank you. I mean, I don't know if I'm a strong babe, you know, I do have my weak moments sometimes, but we'll, we'll roll with it. It's definitely part of the package. We're all just human, but it's all about just embracing all elements of it. So that is magic. So my love, I would love for you to just dive in a little bit, give us a little bit of a backstory, kind of where you started off and where you are now. So I started off in the music industry. Um, I was a performer. I started performing from a very young age. I was 12 when I started like working professionally And then one thing led to another, I ended up getting a short contract in America. Then I worked with, you know, great people in the music business. And eventually I decided that the music industry was just not for me. Um, I've said this so many times, I feel like a broken record now, but the music industry, despite it being about songwriting and expressing emotions, it is also a large part of it is about being cool, which I felt was not me because I'm someone who I don't want to have to portray this image that I'm just cool and I have to keep up with it. I'm very uncool and I wanted a place where I can just be unapologetic about it. So for me, the world of you know entertainment news and media and podcasting was where I felt that I could really like communicate a message that was way stronger than anything I could have done in a song through songwriting. So that's what happened. I love that. I love it so much. And honestly, when you're like, oh, I'm not cool. And you're like, that's what I want to share. To me, that's what makes you cool. The fact that you want that's to That's what I say. <laughs> like being unapologetic about not being cool yes. makes you cool. It doesn't take a, a strong beat or a hook or a, it doesn't, it shouldn't take that, you know? Mm, definitely. A hundred percent. I think it's all about being your authentic self. And when you come into your authentic self, you shine authentically and then you attract into your surroundings and into your being people who are just in alignment with that. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. So obviously, you know, you're living in LA at the moment, but that's clearly not an LA accent. So tell me what that transition was like. Where were you before as opposed to where you are now and how did that all come about? So I've lived like literally almost everywhere. I grew up in Switzerland and then I moved to the, to the UK very young. Well, my dad is English. I'm from an English family, and then, but, but I'm from Switzerland as well. And then I ended up living in Paris for a bit. And then I moved to New York on a music contract, then moved to LA on a short music contract and transitioned over there um, into entertainment reporting. Mm-hmm. But obviously things happened along the way. Yes. Tell us about those things. (laughs) Well, the things were, I've also said this on podcasts before and the, the, the true story, cause I have like, I could go with like the, the lie, which is I moved to LA for my job. Um, no, 
So I was actually in LA on a short contract, but then I ended up reconnecting with my high school sweetheart who lived in LA. Then I moved back to London. We did long distance for a long time. And then he was like, well, you should move to LA now. And I did. And, um, as, as, as soon as I got there, he was like, well, I'm moving somewhere else. You're coming. And at this point I was like, bitch, I ain't your wife. <laughs> so I ended up getting, you know, the job of my dreams here at the time, which eventually ended up not being the job of my dreams as the company got reacquired and et cetera. So I ended up just being freelance and doing my own stuff um, in LA, which I love. And it's very hard sometimes, you know, when, when I tell people now I freelance and I can work on my own terms, um, it's not just like you bawling and just being able to do whatever the fuck you want to do. It's also you stressing out, you doing your taxes. Um, it's, it's a lot, it's a roller coaster. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that is honestly, I feel like the bit that is just so just glossed over, like nobody talks about that. And I want to circle back to the story with your boyfriend and obviously like you uprooting your entire life and going there for him. And then him being like, Hey, this is going to happen. <laughs> what was that like? And how did you handle it? And just go actually no, like I'm going to value me here and do what I want to do. Yeah. So obviously there was like a part of me that was like, okay, I can make the move and I can make the switch because, you know, I had started a career in entertainment reporting. So it made sense for me to go there. But at the same time, it was a risk because, I mean, I knew him for so many years and stuff. So I just, and we honestly thought that we were going to get married. Like it felt like an ideal situation. And then as I got there, it wasn't ideal at all because he had, and I, and I haven't really a hundred percent been honest about the situation on podcasts before. Cause it was like a, you know, it, it was a process for me to get over it. It's been years now, so I don't care. But um, he had that leverage of like, you know, I I make more money. I'm the guy of the situation, whatever. So he made me feel like you can just come here, like it'll be fine. But then it kind of, you know, backfired a little bit because he felt that because he was in that position, he could call all the shots, which was completely not true. You know, I had no friends, no family, no prospects where he was moving to. So and I wasn't told until kind of the last minute. So that was, that wasn't a hundred percent fair as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was a thing. And so, you know, I just decided to keep doing me staying, staying and just evolving myself. And I, it's the best decision I ever made. A hundred percent. And honestly, it's honestly the best things always are born out of those times of like struggle. Those times where things don't go the way that you think that they're going to go. It plays out completely differently, but it puts you on the exact path that you're meant to go on. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, that all happened. And then you said you landed into what at the time was your dream job, but then obviously it didn't turn out that way. So what was that job? No, It did. It did. I, I really enjoyed the time that I spent there and it was like the most amazing experience. But what happened was when I was transitioning, I was freelancing for a couple of different news outlets. I was doing a lot of red carpet coverage. So there was a time where I would be doing like four or five red carpets a week. I was writing um, news segments for entertainment websites and stuff. And then eventually um, that was just not good enough anymore because I was on my own. So I literally just begged to get this job as an assistant for a news outlet. And I was, you know, doing so much work that is like taught me, it like taught me everything that I took on into my podcasting career and into my reporting career, et cetera. And I loved it. I got to understand how to write a script, how to write a new script, how to write a proper script to be spoken in front of camera. I learned how to make content clickable. I learned how to create clickbaity content as well as just evergreen content that would always just bring, bring clicks and bring views and all that stuff. Um, how to promote it via all the different social channels and stuff. So that was super good. And then eventually I evolved within that company and ended up hosting myself, which was really good because then I actually got to take all of those things that I learned and then apply them in like in a more proactive way. Mm. And that was great. And then the company got reacquired by a new owner. And so things got switched up. I still carried on working with the company, but eventually it was so far removed from the stuff that I was actually aiming to do. So we parted ways and I felt confident enough that I would be able to, you know, carry on doing what I'm doing freelance, which I Mm -hmm. have been doing. And I'm so glad that I ended up doing. Yes. That was good. 
I love that. I love the full circleness to it as well, that you were doing the freelancing before and then ended up going into that job as a result kind of, and then came out the other side with such an advanced skill set to do it so much better. Well, I was freelancing, but I was freelancing um, with a stable position in that job, mm. meaning that it was like a set number of days a week that I would just go. But now I freelance in the sense that it's project-based. So one week I work for this company, another week I work for this company. And to be perfectly honest with you, I do work with production companies, but a lot of people look at the stuff that I do. And for example, when I do a segment on KTL, everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But that's not the stuff that pays. The stuff that pays is when you work for like individuals or when, do you know what I mean? So there's also that aspect, there's a lot of stuff that not, that doesn't necessarily look amazing on social media, but that are still great things that are doing that are really helping me um, develop my skills and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And it's crazy because that obviously isn't what necessarily gets the spotlight, but that is so much of what makes up what you do. A hundred percent. It's the the larger part of what I do. Mm. Can you dive a little bit more into what like a freelance life looks like? So obviously sometimes you're working for KTLA, sometimes you're doing stuff for LA Weekly, like so much is going on. Can you paint a picture of like what that actually means so that someone who doesn't really even like know too much about the world of freelancing can get a bit of a picture of what that looks like? Of course. So sometimes, you know, because I have that background in music and stuff, I do work in like audio production a lot and like production. So sometimes a freelance gig would be like uh, a network. Like, I don't know, I once was taken on through a contact at Tastemade, for example, as like an assistant producer for something for a show that they were doing. Or even sometimes someone will say, you know, I would like to book a consultation with you. Um, I don't know what podcasting gear to get. And I'm trying to do remote interviews what is the best equipment for you know a terrible room acoustics and so I obviously I help people out when they're friends and whatever but I do do consultations or even sometimes someone will say oh I need you know I have a very important guest I need someone to be there to be the audio engineer and then edit the episode or sometimes someone will say I need this blog article written or I, it, it can vary. And because I have all the skills, you know, for news producing, whether it's writing, script writing, production, video editing, audio editing, all that stuff, it really, really does vary. Recently, I started working with this amazing girl. She um, is a coffee table book author. And, you know, she said, I would like to launch a podcast. I need a producer. I know nothing about this stuff. I don't have time to handle this stuff. So I was taken on as a producer for, for that project. So it's all word of mouth and it all varies, but all the skills that I developed throughout the years really help. Yeah, definitely. And I love like the diversity of it, that like nothing is necessarily the same day in, day out for you. A hundred percent. And that's what I love the most about it. If I'm honest with you, it is the diversity and the diversity is what keeps me excited. And it is what makes me really, really enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like there's been a huge shift in terms of obviously news, media, social media, like production, all those sorts of things? Like obviously it's evolved a lot over time and social media has become so massive. Do you feel like there has been a really big shift from potentially when you started to where you are now? Well, I feel like when I started working in like news production, it was already just called content and content creation. So from, you know, the minute you start working for a digital outlet, you are a social media creator. You're not necessarily an influencer. You're not necessarily an Instagrammer. But the minute that I started working for digital outlets, it just fits into the category of like digital content. So, you know, when you say the word, the word digital content, everyone is like, oh my gosh, Instagram bitch. And it's like, no, <laughs> there's so much more to the industry than just being, and no offense to the Instagrammers out there, you know, hell knows I post on Instagram, but um, it does fit in that category. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I love that. And I think, yeah, it's good to sort of shine that light that there is a lot that isn't necessarily spoken about and that often just gets like plopped into a nutshell. Um, I, I would love to hear like, basically how you know a day in your life like what that looks like because obviously like things are changing all the time so it might not necessarily be easy for you to establish like a not like an ongoing routine or something like that um how what do I you have do no routine life? I can't I can't so that's actually something that I've really been struggling with mm-hmm. is because I'm incapable of having a routine 
it's kind of hard for me to be organized in that way. So I have little tools that help me, but I don't have a routine. The only routine that I have is that I wake up in the morning, I walk my dog and I get a latte at the local coffee shop Mm. during my walk with my dog. Mm. But um, I don't have a routine. It's very hard for me to say I'm going to work out every day at this time because it changes all the time. So I'm incapable of doing that. Yeah, no, definitely. And obviously that would be a challenge, but obviously you've got like your little rituals, but it would be obviously harder to have something that's like a bigger amount of time that you can set time. It can't be at a set time. So I have little rituals, but it kind of like depends on the day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have weeks where literally I will work for two weeks straight and then I will take a whole week where I'm literally just the walking dead in my house looking like shit and just like doing nothing. (laughs) How do you find that contrast as something to deal with personally? I mean, I've always had this kind of like hectic schedule because I used to be a performer. I used to tour. I used to like be on tour and like deal with all that stuff. So I feel like I'm pretty much immune to the whole like being overworked and overtired because, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're a songwriter, you'll spend like 20 hours in the studio and not even see how much time has gone by. So mm. I'm very much immune to what time is it? Oh, nine to five, it's five. I need to leave my job. Like it doesn't work that way for me. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you have any rituals that you are like your go-to in terms of like having mindfulness or like a spirituality practice that maybe you just kind of fit in wherever you can? I don't fucking meditate. I don't fucking do yoga. Fuck that shit. Like I'm way too hyperactive and my mind is just, I'm just, just too active. Like, I don't know. I'm just always excited and it's very hard for me to just do something and be like calm and like Mm. I find it very hard. So for me, little things, um, I cold roll in the morning, my face. Mm. So if I've like had a really bad night's sleep or something and I need to like look good on camera the next day, then I will do like a little cold rolling session. It wakes mm. you up and it kind of gets rid of your under eye bags. I have a really nice essential oil diffuser in my house. So whenever I'm like working from home or chilling at home, it just really soothes me. I also have a salt lamp by my desk, which is like super nice and super soothing. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. I always, I, I see, I'm more into like self-care, little Mm -hmm. self-care things, um, really help me get by. I have this like shower head that also diffuses like essential oils as I take my shower, which is always nice. So (laughs) instead of just mechanically taking a shower every day, I actually enjoy it. And it's like a a spa Mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. And yeah. So these little things really help me. Yeah, truly. And I think it's, it's good to highlight that too, because I think having like a spiritual practice or a mindfulness routine or something like that, it doesn't look the same for everyone. And while you say, you know, like yoga and meditating might not be for you, you have your little things like, you know, your essential oils and you've got your salt lamps and you've got your moments where you walk your dog and like getting a latte becomes ritualistic. And you're doing those things that does create that element of mindfulness, even though it might not like typically fit into what people would call a spiritual practice. A hundred percent. To me, it's spiritual to mm. someone else. Maybe it's not, but to me, it really helps. It, it helps ground me. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. It's just highlighting like, it's what feels good to you and you've got 100%. to find what feels good to you. And for some people, yes, like having a regimented morning routine is going to be that for some people meditating and yoga might be that. And for other people getting a latte or just having essential oils or reading or journaling or saying your affirmations in the mirror, like there's going to be anything. And I think it's an evolving process as well, because honestly, like I used to be someone as well that had no time for meditating, no time for yoga. Like I was like, go, 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 like so hustle and grind in my life. And I went through a full on breakdown before I actually figured out that those things were really important to me. And then that became, it's vital to me now. I could do it every day, but for the longest time it wasn't. And I think that's where, you know, we are always evolving and not beating yourself up because you don't do the things that other people deem, you know, quote unquote spiritual is really important. Well, I always say that you have to go through so much shit and so much trauma to actually realize what is good for you and what is not. Yeah. You're not going to know what's good for you if you don't know what's bad first. Yeah, true. It's honestly, it's the universal law of polarity. <laughs> the universe shows you what you don't want so you can get really clear on what you actually do want. It helps 100%. I think that no one is going to just get what they want without having some sort of struggle before they can figure it out, I feel like. Yeah. And often like the seed for success or where it is that you're meant to go in your life, what you're actually supposed to be doing is born out of the toughest moments. Like the, and I I feel like people who haven't gone through like trauma and like hardships, these people aren't happy because I felt like before I actually went through all the stuff that I've been through in life, I was not happy because I was always living in anticipation of things. Now that I know how far I can push myself, I no longer live in anticipation. I just know 
I can prevent things. I'm preventative with some things and I just know how to handle myself so much better. Yeah, honestly, that's so true. And it really does give you that element of understanding yourself a lot better. And then which ultimately gives you that a better sense of control over your life and allows you to take back your power a little bit because you can sort of sense when things aren't going in a way that serves you and you can go, okay, look, that's not for me. We've been there, done that before. Let's make sure that we steer the boat in a bit of a different direction. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about obviously how everything has evolved for you. And I know on your end, like it's some of the things that sort of like triggered you shifting into, you know, starting your own podcast, um, you know, wanting to break through like the, the regimented facade that can sometimes be in like traditional media and everything like that. Can you chat about that and why that became so important to you and how that got your podcast started and everything like that? Yeah. So when I started red carpet hosting, the one thing I was so excited about red carpet hosting, because, you know, you meet all your favorite celebrities, you go to events, you get to wear cool stuff. And there's an element of it that's very exciting. And even when I tell people now what my job is, everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's so much fun. It's not fucking fun. Let me just tell you, it's exciting the first few times, but then as it becomes, you know, a habit, it all becomes very mechanical because every single person that you interview are media trained. It's just a process. It's just like a mechanical regimented process. So, you know, as someone who was a regular on the red carpet, first of all, I've interviewed most of these people multiple times, but every, like, no matter how you want to twist the question, the answers are always going to be the same. Um, because there is a very formal aspect to it and people just follow the rules. So when I started podcasting, I knew nothing about the podcasting world. I had no idea that even people were doing podcasts similar to mine. And I just thought, you know what? I just want to sit at home. I don't like doing it in a studio. I want to sit at home with people that I'm genuinely interested in. Most of the time it's reality TV people because they give zero fucks. And, you know, I like that aspect of it. I like, I don't want, you know, the actor who has to speak on behalf of a production company. I like, I want someone who just gives zero fucks. So Mm -hmm. to me, reality TV made more sense in, in that way. So people that I find interesting and just rip them a new one, basically. Because that's what every reporter aims to do on the red carpet, but fails to do. Because there's a cameraman, because there's another reporter next to you just staring at you, trying to steal your questions. Or because there's a celebrity staring at you that is literally like, I want to get the fuck out of here. And you're boring me. Mm. You, no matter how twisted you try and make this interview. So anyway, um, as I was saying, it, it all got too regimented for me. And I just wanted to sit down and actually get information, like get personal with these people and get stuff that people were going want to hear about. So obviously I ask a lot about sex, which, you know, I'm not like a, a person who's like obsessed with sex or whatever, but you know, it is something that people want to hear about. So obviously I'll get into those things. And it, in the beginning, I wasn't really sure how to curate my guests and how to make that happen in, in a sense. But then I, I got more specific towards like reality TV people and Netflix, you know, Netflix actors, because Netflix is like, has very controversial series on it. So I do like, a, I do like me a Netflix show and I love binging on shows too. So I just started and then eventually, you know, I had some red carpet connections. So that obviously helped me. But at the same time, I, you know, word of mouth, I was very blunt with my interview style. And I think people kind of reacted positively towards it because, you know, when people show up for a podcast episode, they make the effort to come to you. So they're sitting there, they're looking at you, they're in the moment. They're not like on a red carpet, just waiting to see what celebrities there, which outlet can I speak to? And I just felt like it was just a more authentic way of reporting and getting information. So that's why I started it. And then I was like, you know what? Something I discovered on the red carpet is that when you share, you're more likely to get an answer out of someone when you share something about yourself. Yes. So, so the thing is, if you've got a celebrity that's super stuck up, that does not want to speak, that does not want to communicate with you, the one thing you do is you share something about yourself. And when you do that, they're more likely to share with you. So with the podcast, you can like really inject your own thoughts and your own personality in, into the content that you, the content that you create, because it's very much about the host as well. So I found it to be the perfect platform for me to actually like thrive in my interview style and really improve my interview style. So that's why I started it. And then as it evolved, it got more and more and more unfiltered. And I think that's what makes it, I mean, every podcast is unfiltered, but I feel like 
whenever I go into a podcast episode, I'm like, what is the one thing that every bitch on the red carpet is not going to ask this person? And then that is what I ask them. Yes. Good. And honestly, I feel like that's what so many people would want. And that's why you end up attracting so many people that want to listen because they're so attracted to that vibe. Like you actually cutting through everything that's normally so filtered because ultimately as humans, that's what we want. Like we want that connection with each other. And it's the same thing you said. The whole point of an interview is you want to be able to relate to your favorite actor or your favorite celebrity. And when you ask them, how do you deal with hate? Well, I just ignore it. That's not fucking relatable. No one wants to hear that. People Mm. want to hear about the time where you clapped back, where you lost your shit and what you've learned from it. Nobody wants to hear, you know, I just ignore it because, you know, you should not acknowledge hate. Like, fuck off. No one needs that. No one needs to to know that. Yeah. And I think as well, like when sometimes, like for some people that might be true, but I guess in a lot of cases they are saying that because it's what they think they're supposed to say or what they think people want to hear. Whereas people do want to hear that truth. Yeah. People do want to hear that truth because ultimately it's going to give them a bit more of an insight as to like, okay, you're human. This is how it affected you. That's how I would be affected. So I'm okay too. Like, and it gives a bit of a, it's more relatable. And then when they can actually share what they did to move through that. And like you said, what they learned from it, that is what people can really resonate with rather than having it kind of just washed over. And people think that being relatable is being like Jennifer Lawrence. Like I eat Pringles. I'm so relatable. No, to me, being relatable is, you know, even though you have that super unrelatable lifestyle, um, sharing the sharing the behind the scenes of what that lifestyle is. Like, yeah, I fly on a private jet, but what do I do on a private jet? Do I travel with this pillow? You know, do I have travel anxiety? Mm. Or is there someone that I like to travel with? Like, that is what makes you relatable. It is, it's when you share what goes behind the unrelatable shit. Mm. that we all want to find out about with celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I so agree with that, honestly. Like, I feel like you're just like shedding a light that a lot of people are a little bit too scared to shed sometimes. And obviously that's why you had to break out of, you know, being doing the red carpets and being sort of stuck there where, like you said, everyone's kind of eyes on you and it is really filtered to like, okay, well, I'm going to take control of my own platform and put out my voice in a way that is authentic to me. And another thing that I like to do on the podcast that I was never able to do on the red carpet is critique. So not only do I ask questions that are not typically asked, but I also inject my opinion. And that is something that is very frowned upon in the media, especially when you're on the red carpet and you're trying to build these connections. You're trying to connect with the PRs. You're trying to connect with the talent and have them come back to you when you're on the red carpet. For me, what I've really learned through podcasting is that there's so much value in sharing your opinion and critiquing. And if someone's unhappy about the way you spoke about them, come on the podcast, prove me wrong, engage in the conversation, Mm. face the deep, dark and twisted. And don't only just like be driven by everything that's shiny and everything that's bright and everything that's just, in my opinion, basic. Mm, Very true. Honestly, that's so true. And I, I love what you said where you're like, if you don't like it, come on and speak to me about it. Like, come on and speak to me about it. Yeah. Like I ran into, um, I was at an event this weekend and I ran into one of the reality personalities that I bitched the most about. And I said hi to her and I was like, hey. And she she was like, oh, I'd I'd love to come on your podcast. And I was like, well, you haven't listened to it, but basically my whole podcast, I bitched about you for a whole year. And she Mm -hmm. was like, that's fine. That's the name of the game. Let me just come on and like, see what we can talk about. And I was like, see, that's my kind of person. Thank you. Yes. Good. Honestly. And I, Honestly, like credit to you because I think a lot of the time it's really easy to be like, oh, you know, I can bitch about this person and say this, that, and the other, but nobody wants to say it to each other's face. Whereas if you're happy to actually go and be like, no, I've honestly expressed my opinion. This is how I feel about it. This is what I think. I'm happy to say it, not behind your back, but actually to you. That's what opens up the conversation to actually talk about the things that we need to talk about and the things that often otherwise would have just gone unsaid. A hundred percent. I recently just realized I got blocked on Instagram by James Kennedy on Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> just doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> I mean, I think that there are, a, there are a couple of truths there that he does not want to be known. Mm. Yeah. And ultimately it's like, well, you can avoid those sort of things for as long as you want. I mean, I would but... have loved to get his side of the story and have him on, but instead he chose to block me and that's fine. You're not going to please everyone. Mm. Um, you know, as a, an entertainment critique as well, I have to just report back on things I hear. And mm. if you don't like it, you can come and tell me why or why it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go the block, the blocking route, that's fine. That's fine. 
I, I can still look at your Instagram account on my multiple other Instagram accounts that I have. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, with what you do, like it would be quite polarizing. Like there'd be some, you know, people in the audience who it would just not resonate with. And then other people who would just love it and be so attracted to it. Personally, I think, and I talk about this all the time, but the importance of being your authentic self is everything because you do call in the people that are so aligned with you because you are shining the way that you are supposed to. You're not well, Yeah, you know, everyone says to me, LA is so fake. Everyone's so fake. And honestly, the people that I've attracted in LA as my friends are the nicest, most yeah. authentic people. And that, and that is because that's the kind of person that I attract because I'm unapologetic. Mm-hmm. And so the people who resonate with that, obviously are the kind of people that I want to be surrounded with. Exactly. Exactly. And that honestly, it's like law of attraction 101, like the energy you put out is the energy you attract. And so you're going to call people into your space that are fake if you're being fake, but if you're being authentic and real and just like, Hey, this is me as I am, of course, you're going to start calling those people in. And then that's when people on the outside who maybe are being, you know, a little bit fake or putting on a facade are like, how do you call those people in? Like, I don't have people like that in my life. Like, as you said, like everybody says it's fake, but maybe a lot of the and time I've come they across, have- and I've come across them, but I think it's, made very obvious early on that this ain't going to work and we're not going to vibe. That's it. That's exactly right. And that is a hundred percent right. Like they are going to be in your space, but you're going to figure out very quickly whether you're in alignment or not. hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Um, something, so you were just recently featured in Forbes. Congratulations. Very Uh, exciting. Thank you. So (laughs) unexpected. What the fuck were they thinking? Who am I? Well, obviously someone that more people need to hear from. Um, and I loved it. I loved reading through it. And obviously you were featured for um, being in the top 18 podcasts, like women-led podcasts, which is incredible. And obviously- It's, it's crazy. I cannot believe that anyone would think of me that way, by the way. Let me just tell you. <laughs> but honestly, more people need to hear your voice than you probably realize. And obviously you're very humble, but it is really needed. And I think it is the way that the world is moving to more of like unfiltered, this is me, this is how I show up. And kind of, I guess, you know, approaching more of the like, taboo not necessarily taboo some in some cases yes but in other cases just the things that other people are a little bit too afraid to touch on and I feel like that is starting to come out more and more and more and obviously you've been a leader in that sort of space which is great I definitely don't think I'm a leader in that space I think that yeah maybe I bring a different voice to the table because I'm very opinionated but I feel like a lot of people are very unfiltered on their shows I think that's kind of the isn't that like the the, the main goal of podcasting I would say so personally, like obviously having one myself is like you get to literally set the tone, set the dynamics, set the vibe of what it is that you want to bring into that space. And it's up to you to hold true to that and to make sure that you are serving your audience from a space that is really authentic to you. Yeah. But the, the, the way that I do it as well is, yeah, I'm very unfiltered, but I do it mainly to make people laugh. I, I, I sometimes mo- gravitate more towards like the comedic route because I feel mm-hmm. like I don't want to be a hater and I don't want to just say you suck, you're a bitch, you're a bitch. Like I, I, I also want to entertain people, you know, obviously mm. I want to bring them in good interviews and good information, but my goal is still to entertain. And I think that's very known. And I think that maybe that's why it's considered okay that I'm so harsh mm. and I'm such a hard, harsh critic. Yeah, probably. You're probably right, to be honest. And that's where it maybe is a little bit easier to sort of be in that space. And like you said, like it is from an entertainment perspective rather than just being like nasty, which I think is really important. Exactly. I don't want to be like a nasty reporter. I just want to be like an entertainer. So I think it's very known. So maybe that's why it's a little bit more acceptable. Yeah, totally. Um, Is there a point in your life where if I'd said to you that this is what you're going to end up doing, it would have seemed impossible, like just not on your radar? A hundred. I still feel that way today. Like I'm like, what? Like I I don't know how to explain. Like obviously you can always do more, and like I could always get better numbers. But like I still feel like, you know, you know, I see these other podcasters, and I'm like, these are the people that are doing it. Like why am I not one of them? I think it's always like this internal battle that you have with yourself. It's like, especially with the media nowadays, nothing's enough. And obviously I'm very grateful for everything I have, but. I don't think anyone ever thinks of themselves as like, oh my gosh, I've achieved this. This is like, do you know what I mean? Mm, mm, Definitely. There's always so much room for improvement. Yes, which I think is a really great thing to think of as well. And as you said, I think it's important to highlight, like, as you said, you know, you're very grateful for all that you have, but it doesn't mean that you're not focused on where you're going as well. And I think that that's important when it comes to calling in, you know, that next level and that thing that you're working towards, like express so much gratitude for where you What movie is it that I've watched? Is it Shawshank Redemption? I I can't remember what it was where the guy was like, as long as you have a goal that you work towards, like you'll be fine. So (laughs) I, whenever there's an achievement, obviously I take the time to appreciate la 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 gratitude five minutes, but like 
to me, it's always, I'm always like working towards something. Like I'm never just like, I'm this person and I'm doing that. Like there's always something else that I'm trying to achieve. And it doesn't mean I'm greedy, but it's just for me, for my sanity, it's always good to have something to work towards constantly. Mm. And what do you feel is the thing that really drives you towards continuously achieving? Like, obviously, like you said, you know, what, like ages ago, it would have maybe seemed impossible to you. What got you to there? And what do you think is like the thing about you that's going to get you to keep going? I just think, oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I'm really put on the spot. What is it that's going to keep me going? Well, to be honest with you, I just feel like, you know, when you're speaking to me now, you probably think like, oh, this girl has so much to say. She has so much knowledge. And I fucking don't. But the thing is, my interviews and my podcasting, I've had so many conversations with so many interesting people that it just feeds me off of like so many good things and so much information and so much culture. And yeah, maybe it's stupid culture because it's like Hollywood and TV, but all these different perspectives, you know, you become such a good people watcher and you become such a good observer. And so the more I learn and the more I observe, the more, the better the interviews get and Mm. the, the better my relationships get even for myself, like with my friends, with relationships, with my family, like it just helps you so much to grow as a person. This is a very deep podcast episode. It's very different to the typical Diana <laughs> podcast episode. Yeah. And honestly, like um, I had every intention of taking it there because I knew that it would be so different to the style that you would be used to. But I, was I like, feel go so vulnerable. Oh my goodness. All about people listening to this, you have no idea. This is not what my podcast episodes are like. Yes. And honestly, this is not a typical interview for the Strong Babe Collective podcast either. This is a very different dynamic. So, Oh my gosh. Why, why, why? Honestly, like the predominant aspect of the Strong Babe Collective podcast is really, we talk a lot about um, manifesting empowerment, self-love, like how to step into your authentic And self, I'm just very call. self-deprecating. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you cut through the bullshit. And I think it's nice to have a different perspective. And although you would say like, you're not necessarily spiritual or you don't necessarily, um, or you say, you know, I'm self-deprecating or I, you know, I don't know how, where you even stand on the idea of manifesting or the law of attraction. There's still so much that you say that I, like, I relate all of it. I'm like, yep. Well, when you say you call in people that are in alignment with like, or they, they vibe with you to me, I'm like, well, they're in alignment because of course they are. Cause that's the energy you put out. Well, I would be a huge hypocrite if I came on this show and was like manifesting self-love because I don't have the shit behind it to back it up. Like that's not my coping mechanism. Yes. I'm all about self-love, but the, the way that I'm able to like love myself is by hating myself first. So I like make fun of myself. I take myself with a pinch of salt. I don't take anything seriously. And then, you know, it, it just helps me rationalize everything. I don't Mm. know. It's just my coping mechanism. Yeah. And honestly, like I said, like you said, like this is a different interview for you and this is definitely a different style of interview for us, but I think it's nice to bring a different element to the podcast so that, you know, for anyone listening who maybe isn't in a place of, you know, where even in the beginning when you're like, you know, meditation's not for me, yoga's not for me, all those sorts of things. A lot of people, when they do start out on their spirituality journey or in like starting to learn about manifesting law of attraction, stepping into their power, all those sorts of things, it might come across as very like, I don't really know how to relate to that. And so for anyone listening that is kind of in that sort of position, having you come on and shed a bit of a different light, but obviously to be able to see how that relates as to what it is that you've been able to do with your life is excellent. Yeah. I don't think that you need to be a yoga person or a green juice bitch or a meditating freak. Not that I'm saying people who meditate are freaks, but like some people are like really freaky about it. You don't need those things to be centered and to be happy and to be just fine with who you are. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can be those things. Some, some, some of these tools really help people and they really do it for them. But I don't think that you need that to be okay with. Yeah. And I think it's about finding alignment within yourself. And like we talked about before, you know, feeling what's good for you, you know, and finding that within yourself, that centeredness. And yes, like, don't get me wrong. Like I am one of those people who's like, yes, meditating is so important and it's important to me, but it's not necessarily for everyone. And I think highlighting that, you know, you find the things that work for you rather than doing them out of obligation, because that's what other people have said you have to do. And if it doesn't feel good to you, that's okay. It might feel good to you later. It might not feel good in this moment, but it might feel good in a year. I might speak to you in a year in another interview and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so into green juices. I do yoga. Like I meditate. Oh my gosh. Remember a year ago, Tay? And I was like, no, no, no. Like we're always evolving. And I think showing that journey is important. Yeah. These little things to me, it's, it's kind of like friends and like, um, 
teen boyfriends. I feel like, you know, your teen boyfriend, you're obviously not dating today, or if you are, you're a fucking alien today. But if, if, but your, your teenage years and your college boyfriend that you're not with anymore, he's just someone that held your hand through that specific time in your life. And it's a phase. And I think that different things help you cope for different phases in your life. But I don't think that there's an answer to everything for every chapter of your life. Yeah. And I think, as you said, like it grows and it evolves. And for some people it lasts for life, like the teenage boyfriend might, but in some cases, no, it doesn't. And it's there for a phase or it's there for a season or season, or it's there for a lifetime. Like my friend actually said that to me ages ago, when it comes to people in your life, like someone's either in your life for um, a moment, a season or a phase, a season or a lifetime. And that's the same with everything. I think not just people, it's like, there are things that come and go and that really serve you at a certain time and help you to move to the, the way you need to go. And then something else comes in or, you know, it's, it's ever evolving. A hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Um, obviously for you, like being authentic is so important and that's everything that you've sort of built everything that you do on is being like true to yourself. And like, I I'm love not that like, authentic. Like if you look at my Instagram, my photos are filtered as fuck. <laughs> so yeah but so you fake. are authentic the way that you come through like your message I'm not talking about like your photo the captions are authentic the photos aren't authentic <laughs> well at least you can say but it I say it but yeah, I say and that it makes you authentic is the fact that you're happy to be like well look I edit the shit out of them like that's me I appreciate a good Instagram aesthetic but I don't appreciate doing it making everyone think that that's what you look like in real life yeah, honestly, good point. I would love to ask as well, like, you know, I love the photo. I saw your photo on your Instagram the other day where you're like lying down on the red carpet, like holding an Emmy <laughs> or something, which oh is gosh. obviously so different to what the majority of reporters would be doing. <laughs> how, oh my gosh. How, how did you get to that point? And I guess for people who want to start to step into something like what you're doing, or they want to start freelancing, or they, they want to start stepping into like, hey, I've got a voice and I want to start sharing, even if it isn't what is typically accepted. Well, let me tell you what I truly think, which is the red carpet world, the world of red carpet interviewing is dying. Mm. So if that's what you're trying to get into now, you're not going to have a very long career. <laughs> All these platforms are dying. What would you suggest as an alternative? create your own yeah because you will learn all the skills and more than what you're going to learn working for someone else making that fucking coffee so true so true and i think it's so important to create your own assets too like it's a big thing in this in so important and if people say i've tried to do it for myself but it's not working if you can't make it work for you you're not going to make it work for them so no one's going to hire you yeah, that's exactly right as well. If you can make it on your own, that is like the biggest, you know, sense of credibility of all time. Like if you ever end up going back, you can be like, yeah, I did this by myself. Like this is what I did. This is what I built. Like I can build this for me. I can build it for you. Yeah. When big companies hire these consultants, they hire people that have created successful shit for themselves for their expertise. So now because there's so little money in news reporting, if someone is going to bring someone on, they're going to have to have something to bring to the table whether it's their expertise or their audience, it had, you, you need some leverage. Mm, definitely, definitely. And I think building those things out, and I think as well, like, you know, in a generation where Instagram, Facebook, everything like that is massive, a lot of the time what can get forgotten by a lot of like influencers in that space is the importance of creating something that is your own. Because... 100%. Ultimately, like, in, don't get me wrong. I love Instagram, love Facebook, have love the connection with my audience on there so much. But it's the connection that I have with them beyond that as well that is everything. So building out, I respond to every DM. I had I had this girl who sent me her reporting reel, asked me for feedback. Um, one of the things I love the most is when people listen to an episode and they're like, "Oh." I loved um, this part. Like, what, could you please next time ask them this question? Like the, the one thing I love the most about it is that I'm able to communicate with everyone. And mm. I love the, the really social aspect of social media and not just the beautiful curated aspect of it. Yes, definitely. And I think that that is everything that you just said right there. Like, honestly, like having that actual connection and realizing that, yes, like, you know, social media in itself is just seems like one word, the word social media, even though it's two, but it's the social part that I think a lot of people forget. And they're so focused on growing and just having a lot media. of followers and a lot of numbers and all those sorts of things. But it's like, you can have a small amount of numbers and the connection that you have with them, the conversations in the DM, the conversations in the comments, like the messages that you get where you've, it's had an impact on someone in some way is everything. And it gets so forgotten in the chase of the numbers. 
And if you want to look at it from a, you know, the content standpoint, despite the numbers, the quality as well. If the quality, and I don't mean the quality of your fucking photo with your camera and your lens. I mean the quality, like, have you provided value? Have you shared mm. something insightful? Have you shown something like you laying on a red carpet with an Emmy statue that people have not seen before? That also has so much influence more than numbers. Because if you think about it, all these like bikini girls that are trying to sell you fucking teeth whitening, nobody's on there to buy teeth whitening. <laughs> Everyone's on there to watch their butts. So influence isn't ain't about the numbers, mm. in my opinion. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. And like what you said, it's about creating the value. Like how can you be a value to your audience? How can you serve? And that's something that I talk about a lot and I work with all the clients on is like, how can you be from a place of service? Like how can you come forward as like your higher self sharing something that is important to you, that's authentic to you, that helps to bring value to someone else's life. Like someone else needs to hear your message and it's important that you share it. Like it's an obligation. And I don't have the arrogance to feel like someone has to hear my message, but I definitely think that, you know, if someone has an insightful takeaway from Mm -hmm. it, then good. I honestly, I don't think that it's arrogant. Like, I don't think it's arrogant to say that at all. I think that, you know, saying like someone needs to hear your message is so true. I say it all the time. Like a lot of the time, a lot of people have a lot of fear around sharing their message out of that exact sentence. You know, I don't want to come across as being arrogant. I'm worried about what people think. I don't want them to think I'm big headed. And that in itself is like, no, like you're not big headed. Like somebody, one person, if it's one person that reads that and gets something out of it, they needed to hear it for a reason. And that's why you have that thing to share. And that's why it's so important. But I think everyone has an insightful message to share. That's why we all have the opportunity to be on a social platform and it's our decision to be on them. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I hope whoever is listening that is like, well, maybe I could do this. Here's that and absolutely runs with it and realizes like you're so I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. You know, I really don't subscribe to that whole Gary V mentality of like, if you want it, you can do it. No, I don't think everyone has what it takes to do it. You know, I was in the music industry and I didn't do it. I mean, I did it for a while, but it wasn't like the most successful, like professional endeavor that I like, do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I think that anyone can do something that they like and that they're passionate about, but not everyone can do anything they want. I think it's all about everything that you're good at. It's not just enough to be a good singer. It's not just enough to be a good interviewer. You need to combine all of the skills that you're good at and create kind of like a a potion out of them and see what comes out. So Mm -hmm. I do feel like there's room for everyone to be somewhere where they can be happy and they can feel, you know, validated, established, professionally satisfied. But I don't think that everyone can do anything they want. Hmm, that's interesting. Honestly, I like, I am very about, you know, you literally can be whatever you want in this life. And if you feel called to be doing something like a hundred percent go for it. Um, I think everyone should go for it because you don't want to live with regret because living with regret is a life of literally anxiety and depression. But I think that what you think that you are made to do Mm -hmm. is not necessarily what you are meant to do. Yes, I would agree with that. And I would say it's important to go for it because even if you go for it and you don't, it doesn't necessarily work out, it's going to be what pushes you in the direction of where you are meant to go. That's exactly what I mean. So when I started working in music, I had all the knowledge on audio and now it's massively helped me. I don't need a podcast producer. I don't need a podcast editor. I don't need someone to do anything for me. And I got all that knowledge and I'm able to do consultations and make money out of it through music. But was music the right industry for me to be in? No. Did I have what it takes Mm -hmm. to be able to do what, you know, Taylor Swift is doing right now? No, fuck no. I didn't have what it takes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. And as you said, like, you know, go for it and give it a go, but it's going to push you where it is that you're meant to go. And we all have a calling. Like Taylor Swift has her calling. Like Gary Vee has his calling, you know, like everybody's got the thing that they're supposed to do. And sometimes it takes going through things that aren't necessarily right for you, even though you think that they are in order to get to where it is that you are meant to go. Yeah. It's kind of like that um, speech that um, Steve Jobs gave. Um, You know, he was like, I took a calligraphy class, which had nothing to do with any of the things that I was interested in or wanted to achieve. But that is what developed, you know, typography and all that stuff, you know, later on in his career. Mm -hmm. So that's what, like, I don't really subscribe to that whole mentality of like, you can do anything you want. Fuck no. 
you can't do anything you want, but you can definitely achieve something that you're proud of and happy with. Mm. <laughs> and, fig- and figure out where it is that you're meant to go from trying out those things. And it's funny you say that because honestly, like if you look at my journey and what I've been on, like it's been such a roller coaster of so many different things. Like I literally left school being like, I'm going to be a pediatric surgeon. Like that was me. And then that led to so many different things, changes in uni degrees that led me into business and then business led me into starting my own business. And then that led to a breakdown, which then started another business, which then started me being a podcaster. Like it's been this beautiful cycle of things that at the time, like if you'd asked me six years ago, like, do you think that you'll be doing exactly what you're doing today? I would be like, no way in hell. Like there's, there's no way. I was the most introverted, shy, self-conscious, motherfucker in this world and now you can put me in front of any celebrity you can put me in front of anyone and I will literally not give not give a fuck Mm, yeah and it it has taken everything that you've gone through that maybe at one point you thought was right for you that wasn't that's exactly what's helped you to get to where you are today yeah I even remember that ex-boyfriend of mine saying to me like I didn't think I didn't see it I didn't think you had it in you to be like an interviewer like in the beginning I was like obviously it was uncomfortable for me it wasn't hundred percent natural because I was new to it. He was like, I didn't really see it happening. <laughs> and now every person that I watch on TV, I mean, not every person, but most of the people that I watch on TV, I'm able to have them on my platform to come and share their things and just have a normal, equal conversation with them. So, you know, it goes to show. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It a hundred percent does. And it really just goes to show like you end up exactly where you're meant to be doing what you're supposed to do. And 100% it will just continue to evolve over time. And in five years, you'll probably be doing some extension of this or something else. And you'll be like, oh my gosh, like if I hadn't done the podcast, like I never would have got here. Who knows? I'm seeing, I just see myself as evolving with Mm. the world and not just like doing something that I think this is what I'm meant to be doing for the rest of my life. I just evolve with the trends. I evolve with behavior and I just don't want to look at it that way. Like I'm supposed to be here and right now I am supposed to be here and doing this, but I don't have like a, a set thing that I see for myself in the future because everything is evolving, evolving so quick. Mm, yeah. yeah. Oh, this has been very interesting. I've enjoyed this conversation a lot and it's been so cool to just get a bit of a different take and a bit of a different light. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is obviously you and I have very different sort of ways that we see things, but we still come to the root of it we agree on yeah yeah exactly we end up coming back to basically the same but a whole different way of viewing it which I think is really cool to have been able to share with the listeners it goes to show you can be a sassy bitch like me you can be a positive lovely person like you but we hold (laughs) the same values and we'll be just fine (laughs) a hundred percent the world needs all of us I've loved this so much. If there's one thing that you want to leave our listeners with or one little piece of advice, it can be whatever you want. What would it be? Oh my gosh. You've put me on the spot. That's really hard. Cause I feel like <laughs> I need to make this really good now that I've preached about a thousand things. Um, <laughs> I would say being yourself can be seen as a weakness when you're growing up because you live in anticipation of what's to come. And it's so hard to listen to someone a bit older when you're young, when you're in your teens or when you're starting out something, but it is going to become your strength later on and you just have to stick through it. That's all I'm going to say. I think that's perfect. I think you couldn't have said anything better. <laughs> I love oh, it. Thank you. I was trying to be positive now that I like I'm on a positive podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just wrapping it up on that beautiful high vibe little note. Honestly, oh. Han, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank um, you so much for having me. Oh, honestly, it's been amazing. For those Great that would offer. love to connect with you further and want to chat to you and connect with you, where's the best place for them to find you? So you can connect with me directly on Instagram and that is at Deanna Espier, D-I-A-N-A-E-S-P-I-R. And then obviously listen to my podcast, which is the You Can't Sit With Me podcast. And it's on every podcasting platform. Amazing. And I'm sure a lot of the girls are going to go over and check it out from here and get all of the goodness from your podcast and all of the real talk and unfilteredness. (laughs) Thanks girls. Come chill with me. Come sit with me. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much, hon. It has been amazing. And I'm sure we will talk again very soon. Definitely. We'll stay in touch. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much, my gorgeous babe, for spending this time with me. I so hope that you enjoyed this interview with Deanna Espia and that you took so many incredible strong babe shifts out of it. I know that there are so many takeaways inside of this episode that you're going to be able to apply to your life in order to help you step into that next level you and to call in the freedom, the impact and the abundance that you are so worthy of. If you enjoyed the episode, it would mean the world if you took a couple of minutes to head over to iTunes and to leave me a review and to let me know what you think of the podcast. Honestly, every single review means the world. I love hearing from you, babes, and knowing that it's helping you to step into your power a little bit more. You can also let us know that you enjoyed the episode by taking a screenshot of it and sharing it on IG. And of course, that means the world because I get to see that you're loving it and you are sharing it with those that need to hear it as well. Every single time you share it with your friends, your family, and your audience, you are sharing the high vibes with them. And honestly, the more high vibes we put out, the more we are helping to shift the vibration of the planet as a whole. So thank you in advance if you take the time to do this. My love, that is it from me. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I've loved spending this time with you and I'm so looking forward to talking to you in the next one. Until then, I'm sending you so much love and the highest vibes always and I will talk to you soon. Bye.